This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse source, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, we're going to talk about a pressing situation in the United States, the possible destruction of thousands of wild horses by the government agency charged with protecting them. Last month, the Bureau of Land Management, which is responsible for managing wild horse herds in the United States, released a proposal to euthanize thousands of horses currently being held at BLM facilities throughout the West. This controversial proposal has horse lovers up in arms. Over the next half hour, we're going to talk to Chris Hyde, Deputy Director of Government and Legal Affairs at the Animal Welfare Institute in Washington, D.C. The AWI, along with a number of other organizations, are fighting the Bureau of Land Management's proposal. We'll be right back with Chris after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we're looking at the Bureau of Land Management's proposal to euthanize thousands of wild horses that have been rounded up and placed in holding pens in various locations around the West. My guest is Chris Hyde, Deputy Director of Government and Legal Affairs of the Animal Welfare Institute. Welcome to the show, Chris. Hi, Audrey. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, Let's go back to the beginning of the wild horse issue before we get into the specifics of what's going on now. Uh, In 1971, Congress passed a law to protect wild horses on the range. What was happening to wild horses before this law was passed? Well, that's a good question. A lot of people don't realize this. Uh, There's estimates that place wild horse populations at around 2 million horses at the turn of the century. And in 1971, they had reached such a point uh, that they were almost extinct from from the West on public lands. And uh, actually a woman named Wild Horse Annie, it wasn't her real name, but it was a name given to her. Uh, They thought they were mocking her because of her love for horses. Um, Just started raising the awareness. She started raising the awareness in Nevada that horses, you know, were basically being removed at a large scale and sent uh, directly to slaughter by the federal government, uh, you know, ironically, by the Bureau of Land Management. 
um, that was their responsibility for wiping them out. And just over, you know, about the next decade or so, she had been able to raise awareness that these treasures, uh, you know, these magnificent animals that wander the West are just being systematically wiped out uh, by a federal government agency. Uh, so she was able to convince members of Congress and, uh, and the American public that this must stop, uh, uh, that we must do everything we can. So they came up with the Wild Free Roaming Horses and Burrows Act, uh, in 1971, which prohibited uh, basically the commercial uh, exploitation and slaughter of wild horses, uh, and that's uh, that passed uh, unanimously in Congress. Uh, everybody supported it. Mm-hmm. And I remember being—I uh, remember being a little girl and writing a letter to Congress uh, way back in 1971, I think it was, um, asking Congress to protect the wild horses. You're absolutely right. That was a great success of what she did, and there are a lot of people, you know, your age that are still out there that remember doing that. That was a massive public campaign uh, of, of public support, and that's kind of what we're trying to, re, you know, reignite right now is to remind Congress that the American people want to protect our wild horses. So, what exactly is the protection given to wild horses by the law? By law, they, they was, it was very specific. The language is some of the most beautiful language you'll ever see regarding protections of animals. That you know, basically, it is supposed to be that the you know the federal government should not manage these horses like they're in a zoo. You know, leave them alone. They're wild animals. Um, you know, allow them to roam free. Uh, and, and it was very crystal clear that these horses should not be uh, removed simply because you want to get rid of them. They were afforded uh, very clear protections in the law that they are able to roam the lands that they were on at the time, which is about, at that time, close to 57 million acres they were allowed to roam free on and not be commercially exploited uh, and or sold to slaughter. So the situation now is that the BLM wants to euthanize um, a large number of the horses that are held in adoption centers and... How many horses do they want to euthanize? Do we know? Well, that's the that's always been the difficulty with the BLM. I mean, you know, as I pointed out, here's an agency that up until the day the law was passed was the agency actually rounding them up and sending them to slaughter. Uh, you know, and for that time period to now, they've done everything they can to wipe out the wild horse herds. Um, they round too many up. Uh, they have removed wild horses for, from over 19 million acres that they were supposed to be on by law. Um, so even to this point, the BLM is hard to nail down on this. Now, we uh, you know, we just had a meeting with the acting director of the program, who was the one that made the announcement that they would consider euthanasia. He's now denying he ever said it, uh, mm. you, know, which is, you know, which is not a shock, because here's an agency that is just so broken. Um, they are running around Congress saying, well, we never really said that, but we've got to get rid of them. We don't know what to do. Um, so really, the numbers that they're talking about are, are still up in the air. There are uh, an estimated 33,000 wild horses in um, long-term holding facilities, and these are just big uh, managed areas where they've put these wild horses on private land. Uh, so there could be up to 33,000 euthanized. We just don't know uh, what's going on with them. Now, how did we end up with so many horses in holding pens? Well, that goes back to the agency again. I mean, they've removed them from so much land. Uh, and they, about 10 years ago, started this massive program. They created these, uh, and they call them long-term holding facilities. Uh, and on average, the agency had been able to round up 
about six to 7,000 horses a year and, and adopt them out. Well, they started rounding up 10, 12, 13, 14,000 horses a year and then really put no effort into the adoption program. So they created these pens to just start housing them with no plan on what to do, no plan on putting them back, no plan on increasing the adoption program. Um, you know, we warned them 10 years ago, you're creating a mess, uh, and the wild horse, unfortunately, is going to be blamed for it. And, mm-hmm. you know, 10 years later, it, it's all come out. The BLM is blaming the wild horse, uh, and they're trying to make, they, they're, they're lobbying Congress, saying we just don't know what to do. And I've had staff from various members' office say they come in with a great tear story. They're, you know, their eyes are welled up. They just don't know what to do. They feel so bad. Well, they did it. Mm-hmm. They removed them from public lands. They put them in holding facilities. Um, they created the problem, and now they're trying to just, uh, you know, dump them. And euthanasia is one option. And what was their reasoning behind rounding up so many horses? Well, the the agency right from the beginning has claimed that there's too many. That uh, you, you know, they've based these, you know, kind of false claims that there's not enough land. They breed uh, too rapidly. Uh, and they're just destroying the habitat out west, so they've just got to get rid of them. Um, you know, they also fail to point out that uh, there are uh, an estimated 8 million livestock, and that's cattle and sheep and other animals that are grazing on that same land, and actually a lot more. So it's, there's never been any study that shows the wild horse causes a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the, wild, the horse is a dramatically different animal by nature than the cow. Uh, you know, and they unfortunately have blamed the wild horse in this, so they've just kind of used that as a justification to go up and round them up, pretty much so they don't compete with the cattle. Now, I've heard uh, the argument that the reason they're doing this is because the federal government gets a per head uh, fee for every cow that is grazed on public lands, and they'd rather have that land with cattle that are paying for it rather than have the wild horses that aren't bringing in any revenue. Well, that's certainly one point, is that yeah, obviously the wild horses, you know, nobody gets any money for the horse. They're just out there on public lands. Uh, one thing that's amazed me is that the American public is not more outraged over the federal grazing program, which you touch on, because less than 3% of uh, beef is even raised on public lands. There's this assumption, you know, you're going to have this mythology of the West that that's where all of our beef is raised, out on those public lands. and you know, less than 3% is. Um, and the big thing is, you have to remember with this grazing program, is that to, to graze a cow on public lands, you pay, I think it's about a dollar, it varies, it, I think you pay about a dollar thirty-seven a month for every cow-calf combination. So every cow and calf you have out there, you're paying the government basically about a dollar thirty-seven to do that. On private land, which is where, again, most of the beef in this country is raised, you're paying $14, dollars $16, and that's probably low now because of the economy and, and those issues, so I'm sure that number is actually higher. So the government is losing, and this was a recent government study, about $250 million a year loss on the federal grazing program simply because most of the people that have the grazing permits are billionaires, uh, and corporations that do it as tax write-offs. Mm-hmm. So they, you know, it's cheaper for them to put their cows out on public land, pay sure. very little, write right. it off. Uh, you know, so that's you know the horses are kind of caught up, and that's you know that's really the problem with the Western Range. Yeah, uh, is that issue, and it's often overlooked. 
I've heard environmental uh, arguments as well. How do you address the fact that some people say the wild horses are destroying the environment for native species? Well, I think it's important, and it's, it's been a, a myth that uh, people have been trying to come over or overcome where, regarding wild horses, is that wild horses are a reintroduced native species to North America. They evolved in North America, and there's a study out by a Dr. Jay Kirkpatrick in Montana that looked into this and showed the evolution of horses actually originated in North America and then went elsewhere in the world. And they did disappear about, I think he's estimated, about 10,000 years ago. And there have been some archaeology, you know, fossil remains that you know may make that even earlier um, or more recent, I guess, in time that they've disappeared. And then the Spanish reintroduced them. So they are a species that is very accustomed to the terrain out west. Mm-hmm. Um, we're certainly cattle are not. Nobody can ever claim that a cattle is a native species. Uh, you know, even bison aren't native to North America like horses are. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the, you know, the, the government had done a study, which is really the only more comprehensive study, showing and looking at what really has degraded rangeland. And they showed it was cattle. Mm-hmm. It was not wild horses. And they said, you know, at first glance, sheer numbers show that it can't be horses uh, within this. So unfortunately, again, the horses have kind of been caught up as, as, a, as a, an scapegoat. Another argument I've heard, and I, and I saw this on the BLM website um, regarding wild horses, that, that there are no natural predators left against the wild horse. Now, m- my understanding is that mountain lions and even coyotes will prey on foals. Isn't that true? Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, we, we've got on tape... Uh, various range managers from the BLM, you know, it's, you, you go to the field office, who's the PR people, and they will tell you, oh, they have no natural predator other than man. Um, but then you go to the actual field, the range person who's out in the field, and it, it, we superimpose the clips right next to each other, and he's going, oh, there's predation all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're right, there are species that uh, can deal with horses. There's drought that deal uh, right. There are starvation. That, that's natural nature. I mean, natural mm-hmm. nature. That's nature that does <laughs> right. that, uh, uh, you know, process that, that animals do starve to death in the wild if the population becomes too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember learning that in high school to deal with the population. So there actually is. I mean, there really there are predators throughout the West uh, that, uh, that deal with population. Right. And there's also situations where I remember reading uh, the cloud books that came out um, and those books basically profiled a wild stallion, his life, and his herd. Uh, and you can see how the horses die from all kinds of stuff. They get hit by lightning. They, they, the stallions fight, and one breaks a leg. And, I mean, there's all kinds of things, that, and the BLM makes it sound like they're just out there reproducing completely unchecked, which doesn't sound right to me. Well, you're right, and I think we were just in a meeting with a gentleman, Don Glenn, who runs the program, and you know, I mean, just he absolutely despises wild horses. And we asked him, why have wild horses been removed from 19 million acres? And he said, well, we did it for a lot of it. It's because they just, the habitat that they were on, just it was not habitat to support them. Mm-hmm. And immediately the question came back, is they've lived there for hundreds of years. Clearly it supported them. Right. You just didn't want them there. Right. And I think that's, that's what we faced is that, I mean, you know, here it is, the humane community saying that they're wild animals. Sometimes wild animals starve. They get fights. They're natural animals that the reason they survive so well, because they, they don't have the best land. They have the land that nobody wants. 
Mm-hmm. It's because they are so strong. They have this phenomenal ability to survive. Right. And even wild horses, um, their hooves and legs are much healthier than our domestic horse legs and hooves. Oh, they, I mean, they, you know, they're not filled with drugs. And I mean, I often get into that. It's not necessarily bad drugs, but, you know, butte, dewormer, mm-hmm. all of these things that go into horses, you know, plus you're right, the, the breeding of horses. I mean, wild horses are phenomenally strong stock. Yeah. And they're, they're magnificent animals. And, I, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, our thing is just leave them alone. Right. Well, uh, Chris, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, why the government has so many horses in pens that they feel like they need to euthanize as opposed to any other solution. So we'll be right back. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we're looking at the Bureau of Land Management's proposal to euthanize thousands of wild horses that have been rounded up and placed in holding pens all over the West. Um, My guest is Chris Hyde, Deputy Director of Government and Legal Affairs for the Animal Welfare Institute. Chris... Why is it that the government feels the only way to get rid of these animals is to euthanize them? I mean, why not increase the adoption program? You know, it seems like there might be other options here. You're right. There are, and we've presented that to them, and we've presented it through members of Congress who are certainly outraged at this announcement. Um, you know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, one of our initial things is that their uh, wild horses have been removed from 19 million acres of land that by law, I mean, it was set up by law, they're supposed to be on. There's no question with that. And the agency has simply zeroed them out uh, uh, from all of that land. And you know, and that was our first comment is put them back. Put them mm-hmm. back onto this land. Many of the herds, and you mentioned uh, Cloud's herd, which is on, on the priors in Montana, um, all of these herds, or, or most of them, are actually below what are appropriate management levels to survive genetically, uh, you know, they, they came up with about, and it varies, about 200 horses per herd to be able to, you know, not have inbreeding and have really kind of good stock with that. And many of the herds are even below that number. Um, so that was the, an initial simple response. Instead of killing them, because the agency rounded them up, the agency has spent probably over $100 million housing them in the last 10 years. And their big answer is kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're right. I think put them back. 
uh, adopt them out. You know, these are magnificent animals that if they have some training and, you know, you, you bring some experienced riders in, uh, you know, there, there's a great chance and there's ample home for those that couldn't be replaced. So there are very simple, responsible answers to dealing with it versus killing them. And it seems, too, like uh, the cost of euthanizing thousands and thousands of horses would pretty, be pretty astronomical as well. Well, you're right. I mean, that's one of their big... They, they, they're running around complaining that they're having to spend about $30 million housing these horses. But mass euthanasia and then disposal of the carcasses, mm-hmm. because they complain about, well, we can't have, you know, with other issues and die off of uh, animals there. You know, they complain about the environmental impact of, of, of bodies being left out. What about that? They've got to go out and do that. They've got to round them up. They've got to, um, you know, either centering to rendering facilities... So you're looking at tens of millions of dollars, and it's not really addressing anything because the program is still broken. They're mm-hmm. still rounding them up. Right. So basically, you know, the, the, unless they fix the program, they're simply going to be emptying the holding pens so they can fill them up again. And what about uh, the option of birth control? Is there any way to, you know, compromise and, and do something to you know, make it so that mares aren't able to reproduce or stallions can't reproduce, at least for a period of time? Well, certainly, and that's, I mean, obviously, even even in many of the wild horse advocacy, that's a contentious issue uh, regarding the TZP, the birth control. But, yeah, no, absolutely, that, that, that if, if done properly, and certainly our point with this whole thing is and how we're approaching it to members of Congress is that the system is broken. The BLM is just a complete mess. Uh, and we're not advocating to fix the BLM. We're advocating that the BLM must go, that you mm. must create an agency that actually doesn't have this conflict with the grazing program, mm-hmm. you know, an agency that is there solely to manage wild horses, because wild horses are on BLM land, they are on National Park Service, they are on Forest Service land, so they cross multiple jurisdictions. Right. Um, so our thing is to create an agency that can go over those, but is there solely to deal with the protection of a wild horse. And once you get this system going, and then once you get the, you know, the horses back out onto the land that they're on, once you get uh, the herd uh, populations back up to sustainable levels in each area, um, then if you have uh, you know, horses that the, the adoption program can't deal with, certainly then you review and look at birth control options. It's something that has been around for decades. And I understand they're they're temporary, right? They're not like permanent birth control situations. It is. It's done properly. Certainly, you can go in and manage it properly that you go on for a few years, you know, not all of them, some of them, you know, again, depending, uh, you know. But the, the problem is, you know, that advocating birth control now when the system is so broken, you know, it's not going, you're not going to accomplish anything when they're just still out rounding them up and they're still, uh, you know, removing them from land. I mean, the very day we met with the BLM, they were announcing they were going to go out and round some more up. And they called it an emergency situation. But photographs from Reno and video from Reno showed very large, fat, shiny horses. Their argument is that they're rescuing them from starvation by rounding them up. That's their excuse, yeah. It's, you know, they starvation. They never put them back. They always put right. cattle back, like after mm-hmm. fires when they were moving. They always put the cattle back. They never put the horses back. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds to me like there might be some um, cattle rancher influence here. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, certainly. I mean, there is a wild horse advisory board that is supposed it's made up of various interests, you know, humane advocacy, wild horse advocacy, local community, cattle. Uh, You know, we've actually been trying to get somebody on that for 10 years. There's nobody on it that even likes horses. 
<laughs> from the from the humane perspective, from wanting right. to leave them out there. Right. Uh, the, everybody on there is from the industry or the cattlemen that want to get rid of them. So even to that level, it's been frustrating. Right. So tell me what uh, the AWI and other uh, humane organizations propose as an alternative. Like, kind of break it down for me, step by step, what you want to see happen. Right. Well, I think that's, and, and we've been really been presented with a, a golden opportunity with the BLM's announcement for this because they have been very good PR-wise. They come up, and as I said, they tear up, and horses are starving, and they don't know what to do, and they're trying to help. That's a hard argument to get around. Because I think everybody, nobody wants to see animals die and starve. And, mm-hmm. But by saying they're going to euthanize them, they made a whopping mistake. Because now they've irritated members of Congress who are in leadership positions to uh, finally you know, realize what we've been saying is that something has to change. Um, and we've got a very detailed report that we've presented to Congress. But simply put, as kind of what I touched on earlier, is that our short-term goal is to put them back, bring the levels up, get the adoption program working, but our ultimate goal and what we are going to pursue legislatively on Capitol Hill next year is taking the program away from the BLM and mm-hmm. uh, reestablishing it again. They're there solely for the purpose of managing wild horses. They have broad jurisdiction uh, and, uh, and then get all of these components set within that to, again, like I said, you know, make sure they're on the land, the land's good, they're not fenced off, which is another big problem. We've got photos of horses standing 20 feet from a water hole where cattle are all around the water hole, but the horses have been fenced out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by law, they not, that was not supposed to happen either. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you've got fences all over the West uh, that are blocking herds. So it's kind of restoring the program to what it was, but doing it with an agency that is there to protect the wild horse. And, and that's never happened. Even mm-hmm. since 1971, that's never happened. And that's that's our ultimate goal. And I think... This euthanasia proposal has really just given us the catalyst to to be able to pursue that. Right. Now, do you have anybody in Congress that's backing uh, starting a new agency just for the wild horses? Well, we're pursuing it with members of Congress. I mean, it's uh, the the, uh, GAO, which is a government agency, is doing a review of the wild horse and burrow program, and uh, they're going to be issuing their report back to Congress in September. and the person who requested that report is a uh, is Chairman uh, Nick Rahal, who is a Democrat from West Virginia. He is the chairman of the House Natural Resources Committee. Um, huge wild horse advocate. Uh, mm-hmm. He has helped us for years working to protect wild horses from slaughter. Um, he is just, you know, he's chairman of the committee that has oversight over the Bureau of Land Management. Um, so I think, you know, once he gets this report, he'll be able to look and see what, the other government agency says, which is wrong, and then we'll be able to work with him in presenting our proposal as well. Um, but I think you know he, he's 110 percent behind the wild horse, and really wants to do everything he can to protect them and, and make sure they thrive out there. So I, I see a great champion uh, in Chairman Rahal. I think you know we have a real mm-hmm. chance of, of making a change, which we have not had for probably since the act was created. We're at a good point right now. Yeah, that's great. Um, so what can people do to help people who are listening who want to get involved and, you know, do something to make this happen? Well, I think the big thing is to start because obviously this report's coming out. We're, we're, we're coming to the end of Congress right now. Uh, you know, you have the elections coming up for president and, uh, you know, people tend to do a lot less here when they're all running for re-election. 
but the big thing is to just, you know, to visit our website, um, uh, awionline.org. You can sign up for alerts. You can learn about this. Uh, and, and as we're building this, we need to build momentum. We need to make more people aware to kind of spread the information. Uh, and we're hoping to, when this report comes back to Congress and as the new Congress starts in January, we've got massive public backing behind us and the other humane groups that are here and other wild horse advocacy groups. Uh, we're all you know, moving together forward on this. Is that when Congress returns, we have a very strong bill in place. We have a highly educated, highly motivated public uh, behind this effort to start demanding change. But I think that's the big thing: is just start visiting the website, signing up for the alerts, learning about it, telling your friends about it, and you, through our website, you can you can start writing members of Congress uh, and talking about wild horse protections. We have some alerts on our website already uh, to do that. So that's the big thing. I think is to start building it, start building awareness. So in January of next year, we've got a huge public outpouring. Well, that's great. And what we'll do is um, we have episode notes up on the um, Horsing Around website page, and we will put a link to awionline.org so that folks can go on there and sign up for the alerts and get involved. Chris, that's all the time we have for today. But I want to thank you for being my guest this week and informing us about this important situation. I'm hoping everybody will get involved and do what they can to help the wild horses. If you have any comments or questions about horsing around, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. Until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.